Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail, and joining me today, as always, is... Brendan Norrison, and um, we're trying to be a bit more up-to-date with this episode, aren't we, Adam? We, rather than uh, going back to a featured topic and discussing some old racing games, uh, we've got a game that's coming out, well, this year, we know for sure, and another title that uh, recently got announced, and we are especially psyched for it. Yeah, so that's kind of what happens when there are actually new racing games we want to talk about. Is <laughs> we just put all the old stuff to the wayside, and we're like, we need to focus on this right now. And, and of course, one of them, as you can imagine, is Gran Turismo 7. Uh, you know, we, we got to see that launch, um, or, or at least uh, announced trailer, at the PlayStation 5 event yeah. last week at the time we're recording this. And... Um, yeah, it was it was really cool because in addition to it being a good trailer, which we'll talk about uh, and getting us excited for the game, we weren't even sure that we'd see anything related to Gran Turismo. So just just the appearance, just the presence of that franchise uh, is enough, of course, to get everyone talking. And then after that, uh, I was fortunate and lucky enough to play a preview build of Dirt 5. Uh, shout out to Codemasters for hooking me up with that. And uh, I just I just wrote my hands-on uh, that's going to go live at the same time, around the same time that this episode will post, uh, because the embargo for that is uh, Monday. So if you're listening to this on Monday, happy Monday. Um, and yeah, it's we're just gonna Brendan and I are gonna talk about Dirt Five and and what I think about so far. And uh, spoiler alert, but it's uh, it's pretty exciting. So between Gran Turismo and Dirt, I feel like we have enough to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I think um, if we're looking for two modern games to talk about on Time Extend, I think a new Gran Turismo and a, a dirt game that reignites some of the, the hype the series might have lost in the mainline games, I think that's um, that's a perfect duo. So, I mean, obviously your Dirt 5 experience is going to be the most exciting part, but just to keep the people waiting, I think we, we talk about Gran Turismo 7 first, Adam, if that sounds good to you. Yeah, and of course we have the new art to go with it which uh, we're, we're recording this on Saturday and I just posted it today and it has has a pretty good reaction so I hope uh, I hope GT fans enjoy that yeah, it's fantastic definitely one of my favorites so far you always like the fans seem to love it as well but like I'm also in the dark until I see the finished product and I'm always extremely hyped when we do the ninth episode of one of our series because it's like oh it's Adam got for us this time it's always <laughs> like a combination of what can I like faithfully recreate but also what won't take the most amount of time because like I wasn't going to yeah. try and <laughs> try and like draw or illustrate like a time extend version of like the the iconic GT because that was just going to be too time consuming and I'm not really that good at illustrator or photoshop so it was like ah that's the uh the GT4 prologue cover I can do that and I'll like make sure to ham it up and put stupid signatures on it and all of the flavor text because <laughs> that's just part of the aesthetic. So uh, yeah, it was fun to do. And I, I obsess over all the little details, even if it, even if it looks pretty pretty bare bones at the end of the day. Um, I'll just stare at it over and over again. It's that kind of designer thing where it's like, you know, v1.jpg v2 v2 final v2 final <laughs> final like. That's, that just yeah, happens yeah. anytime I make anything. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> but well, the final product looks fantastic, so it certainly works. Yeah, yeah, thanks. But yeah, so Gran Turismo Seven, uh, I'm stoked. I know 
most people are stoked. Well, well, some people aren't, but there will always be some people who aren't. Um, <laughs> I just thought the trailer was interesting from the perspective of like, you know, we don't usually see we don't usually see GT trailers at the uh, big events anymore. You know, I feel like GT yeah, five was yeah. the last time. Um, GT six, you know, had its own event. I think at Silverstone where that game was announced, the 15th anniversary one. GT Sport had that copper box thing. Um, it might have had a trailer before then, but but the trailer for GT Sport was very much based around like looking at people play the game rather than the game itself. It really was. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> to see a game-focused trailer, and and not just that, and not just in the PS5 event that obviously everybody was watching, but for it to be like the second game that they showed right after Spider-Man was pretty amazing. Yeah. And uh, it, it also it in spite of that, in spite of where it was being shown, it wasn't. A, I wouldn't call it like a, a, like mainstream kind of like broad strokes trailer for like anybody watching. Like they focus on the campaign mode for half of it, and you know the demo that they showed the the in car gameplay was Trial Mountain, and before all of it started, uh, you saw Kaz, who you know some some random, uh, you know onlooker is going to see and be like, who's this guy? And Kaz, like, specifically <laughs> mentions, like, the campaign mode is something I think that, like, you know, diehard GT fans are going to love. So it was cool. I felt like he was talking to us. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, that when he appeared so early on in the show as well, it was just, it, it felt like a blast from the past. Like, Gran Turismo was at the forefront of the, the next PlayStation reveal. Um, and then... Kazunori's actual sentiments were actually directed not at the general audience like you've said, but at the fans so it was like a best of both worlds type thing where it almost felt as if Sony had realised that maybe giving Gran Turismo too much breathing space to do its own thing completely might have took it away from the public eye a little bit so by bringing it back into this like cauldron of hype for the PS5, like everybody was in uproar about seeing this thing, seeing the games putting a Gran Turismo out there and then the message is immediately, we we know what we've been missing. We know where we've been letting you down. Here it is, a fully-fledged Gran Turismo experience that builds upon sport by the looks of it, but has a career mode that doesn't even harken back to GT6 or 5. We're going further back, Adam. We're going, we're going to the, the kind of GT3, GT4 stuff, yeah. like the, the the world maps, the, um, the general aesthetic... Even one of the things that I really liked, and notably there are people who seem annoyed by this, but the fact that there's like um, fictional brands that help the tuning of the cars and stuff like that. So this is very much a lore-based Gran Turismo by the looks of it. Um, in terms of like, it, there's a lot of world building going on from the brief clips we've seen and it's so good to have that back. Yeah, I mean, there's honestly more lore in this than I think have uh, ever been in a Gran Turismo game. I mean, I guess maybe lore is the wrong <laughs> yeah. word, but you're getting all of these uh, all these fictional brands, your your understeer engineering and things like that. And, uh, you know, those were all introduced in sport, as anyone who plays sport knows. And I really don't know what the impetus behind that was, um, but, you know, it's cool to do that. One of the ones that always makes me laugh is there is a decal in uh, the GT Sport livery either that says Grand Tourism and I just <laughs> yeah. think that's the funniest thing in the world for like a tour uh, you know a, a tours company or something like that for a travel agency um, 
So, yeah, it's it's cool. And like you're saying, they're going back to GT4. You know, they're skipping GT5 and 6. And as someone who really did not enjoy the PS3 gen, you know, really at all, yeah. uh, I, I never go back to GT5 and 6. I actually don't even own GT5 anymore. I, I sold it at some point. I really don't know why, but, like, yeah. it's also one of those things, like, to try and go back and play those games. Like, I have a limited amount of space on that PS3 hard drive, and, like, I think I think what was was that when I was going to install GT6, I knew I couldn't have GT5 on it too. I just didn't have enough room for that and Ridge Racer 7, and Dirt 3, and a bunch of other games. So, so yeah, those games are hard to go back to. And it's funny because like, I was kind of uh, I was browsing through GT Planet to see some of the reaction, particularly to like the uh, you know the world map. And it's funny because like you see some people kind of complaining about longtime fans who have been like on that site forever. Uh, kind of complaining about like, uh, we didn't need like the cursor and the map again. You know, it's unnecessary. <laughs> like, can you just give us like a normal menu? And I don't know. I don't really understand that take. Like, okay, see, if you've been playing the game a long enough time, you know how to get around Gran Turismo. It's not that complicated. You know, I could I could see it being off playing to a newcomer. If you are a newcomer, you know that sucks, but. I, I don't think it'll take you too long to get the hang of it. I mean, certainly we were able to get the hang of it when we were kids. Uh, and yeah. like in GT2, it was particularly complicated because you had the North City and the South City, and so, and that was kind of annoying. So you don't have anything that's like that, that seems to be like that sort of obtuse to a new player, at least in this game from what we've seen. And I think it's just part of the atmosphere, you know? I think like, look, could you do like a standard like list of menu items instead of like a map with like icons that looks like a miniature world sure but that's the whole argument about art it's like you don't really need to do these things that look like elaborate and complicated or like not even complicated but like very stylistic like none of these things are necessary we just do them because they look cool and I think, like, that's okay. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really excited <laughs> to see those things returning. So I kind of get surprised when some people who have, like, really enjoyed the series over the years uh, don't really like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess that that probably comes from the fact that there are so many um, kind of series that take place in that simulation environment now. So back in the day, Gran Turismo was the king. It still is for many. Um but there's a lot of contenders now that we've talked about this before that basically strip away the game element and just leave a sandbox of content that can be easily picked and chose and put together and then you can race. But I think that because titles like that are so prevalent, I think a, a proper Gran Turismo with a real career is needed more than ever. That's why I'm particularly excited about it. If we're looking at it, then if you want to get technical, then yeah, I guess in terms of that trailer, there isn't really anything incredibly new there. But I feel like as Gran Turismo fans, it's not. It, it's just that return to that type of gameplay format. We know Polyphony Shining. Like you said, like those menus might be a bit obtuse at times and they might be difficult to navigate. But it just builds up the overall atmosphere of the game because basically you're getting invested in this Gran Turismo world. You're you're kind of giving it the time of day outside of the racing track itself, and I think that's where Gran Turismo's always shined. Whenever I play any other racing game, I don't really care about the the menus or getting through those. In Gran Turismo, I always feel it's the opposite that you'll spend a lot of time buying a car, 
modifying it, getting it to the standard you think that it'll be able to compete at, realising it's still lacking some elements, you go back, you maybe sell a car that you own to see if you can buy further performance parts. There's that whole car PG element, as it's referred to, that Gran Turismo has, and that does, that was not thriving in the PS3 era. That was the issue. So Gran Turismo 7 almost seems to acknowledge that by kind of peeling back the layers a bit. Some people have called it nostalgia beating. I see it more playing to your strengths. Polyphony know how to make this type of game. So I think it's actually a positive that they've realised they maybe got lost, especially in Gran Turismo 5, for example, with the car count stuff, um, getting as many licences to misuse as possible. Uh, Gran Turismo 6, more of a streamlining it too much and removing a lot of the identity, but still leaving a good experience in there. Um, GT7 and Lineage, like we're saying, it seems more attached to GT3 and 4, and I think the core Gran Turismo audience that want a Gran Turismo experience, not necessarily a great racing game experience, they're going to love it. Yeah, I think playing to your strengths is kind of the, the main thing to focus on here, because I see it as the same way too. I mean, look, this game could very well be you know, essentially like GT4 on top of the GT Sport engine. And I, I understand, like, people complaining that, like, that's not really new. But it kind of reminds me, it's it's something I said last show, and I've said a lot related to Need for Speed Heat, which is, I know, a game that a lot of people have mixed opinions on, but I really enjoyed. Once it's been a long enough time, you go back and you play a game like that, and you remember, like, this is really what I've missed. Like there's, there's just something about this formula that works and maybe it's not so much about turning the formula upside down, but just making tweaks here and there. Like, you know, anyone who's played GT one through GT six knows that like, even, you know, you look at GT one, GT two, GT three, GT four, those games are probably the most similar overall. They have the most, um, kind of in terms of their organization, in terms of their UI, in terms of their layout, those are like the legacy kind of Gran Turismo games that like established the way yeah. that the series works. And even though they were kind of reusing that formula, there were little tweaks here and there every single time. You know, like for example, with, with GT3, you had that, uh, GT1 through three had that classic arcade mode. And you just played through the GT3 arcade mode a couple of weeks ago on, uh, on uh, Twitch and that was fun to watch. Um, yeah. I've been playing a lot of GT4 lately, and they got rid of that in GT4. It's something I didn't even realize, but it's just it was missing from GT4. Uh, um, but GT4 yeah. had like the missions that GT3 didn't have. It did. And uh, you know, GT3 got rid of the used car dealership, and GT4 brought it back. And then GT2 and GT1 <laughs> had the used car dealerships, but they were in the manufacturer. So like, they make little tweaks to this formula every single time. And I think what people don't realize is that they have massive knock-on effects on everything else in the game. Um, you know, like GT5 had that leveling system. And the leveling system I really didn't like, but. You know, yeah. it, it dictated how you progress through the game and also like all of a sudden like the level mattered more than like say your um your your driver licenses because GT five had a licensed school but like you didn't actually have to do it <laughs> to play the game. So like you know, yeah. I, I think that this is a series that really some series do this, you know, they luck out because they settle upon a really good formula. And, and Gran Turismo created the car PG formula. There were a couple games beforehand that had money. We were recently talking about this in the Discord. There were games before that had credits <laughs> and, you know, cars yeah. you could buy and modify. But Gran Turismo was the one that cemented the formula. 
and I think it works so well at the time because I, I don't think it's just a simple fact of like a car PG where you buy cars and you tune them up. I think it's more, you know, the pacing of the game. I went through and I played GT1 recently and it is a really hard game. Like I forgot how hard it is, especially out of the bat. It's absolutely brutal. But, you know, some one of the things that we've often talked about uh, related to like modern racing games is how like sometimes things don't feel earned and you earn every single thing that happens in Gran Turismo 1 and 2. You just do. Like, there's no... there. You have to grind. And I get that some people might not like that. But, um, you know, I think I think there's something intangible about this series uh, between kind of the scaling of all those respective factors and how it creates a cohesive whole uh, that just the way that Polyphony approaches it, it always seems to work. And GT5 and 6 had those missteps and Sport... Um, really for, foregoed that entirely, uh, which in retrospect was a pretty clever move because it just allowed them to create a base for a future, which was something that they were never really yeah. able to do for GT5 and 6. So now that you know we had a seven-year stretch where we had sport and nothing else, you know, sport, you know, GT6 came out in 2013, and, and since that time we've only had sport for for like half that time for some of those years. Uh, but it's allowed them to come back, and now that they have the base, now that they have a large roster of cars, it's only going to keep growing. Now they can concentrate on all the other stuff because the thing is, like game development today is not what it was in 2004. It's not what it was in 1998. Like these games take time, and you know, even a developer like Polyphony. Uh, is not just going to bring the GT6 model of Trial Mountain back. You know, we, we, we saw the way that this track now looks in the trailer, and they have such a laser-focused attention to detail with every single thing that they were like, well, you know, it's been 20, 20 years. Like, we have to reinvigorate the track because, you know, we have the FIA thing going on, and we need all this like, room for, like, <laughs> you know, 20 cars and so on. So, like... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, all of that is, is rambling, and I will shut up now. But just basically, like, you know, to, to combine a lot of the uh, the attention to detail and stuff that was on display with sport with the, uh, the the classic approach of the previous games, you know, if GT7 does that, it looks like it will, that is all I can ask for. Yeah, exactly. And that was, uh, that was my sentiment as well. I put a tweet after the announcement the day after, and... I think what we've got here is, like you said, sport is very much the base for this. I think, we don't know this for sure, but based on the, the way the game looks when you're actually in gameplay, there's no doubt that this is running a very, very close spec of sport as we've seen it with the, the added kind of ray tracing and all the, the newfangled tech that the PS5 brings. But you can tell that's the base they built off of, more so as well because the multiplayer mode is literally called sport mode by the looks of it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if what we have in sport as the main online multiplayer component is just carried into Gran Turismo 7 because why wouldn't it? Like that, that's been a huge success. I think um, Gran Turismo 7, if it's trying to meet the release window that we're hopeful it will and release by the end of 2021, then I think it makes sense to basically have all you've done in sport and all the, the changes you've made there and all the refinements in a, in a mode within the game 
and then you actually have a dedicated career component as well which they can dedicate their time to naturally when people have been looking at the gameplay so far they've been trying to analyze the, the actual on-track experience from a single player perspective and all cards on the table i don't think we're going to see any sort of revolutionary racing when it comes to the ai stuff i think polyphony know that gran turismo as an experience isn't just about the on-track overtakes and that type of thing if anything that's never really been what made it a fantastic series um i think that they focused more on making a, a Gran Turismo experience on the car PG side of things, on the, the new sport mode where people can get that competition if they want it. I think the career mode in GT7 will hopefully try and tick all the boxes that get the games previously had forgotten about and still make it so the on-track driving is fun as hell. I just don't think from uh, an AI perspective or from the, the way the career structured it's not going to be that revolution that some people think is easy to come across. That's the other thing. Like I keep seeing people saying, oh, they're not innovating. They're not, they're not actually trying to kind of change the formula. But like you said, um, is it always is it worth just changing the formula for the sake of it? Otherwise, you end up with a leveling system that directly contradicts the licensing system that you've only included because people would go crazy if it wasn't there. Um, it, I feel as if, like we're saying, this is a play to your strengths. Hit it off with a bang. For too long now, Polyphony seemed to be behind on the, the curve in terms of the development cycle, getting the Gran Turismo games out, which is why it worked out for Sport in the end, because they just had one game and they, they added to it over time and it got great. I think with the PlayStation 5, they've got the real chance, because these things are so powerful, to get back to the two game cycle. So I think GT7 will be the necessary expansion on uh, Sport to add a fully fledged career structure and that type of thing. But I don't think it's going to be like when they announced Gran Turismo 6, for example, and all they focused on in that introductory trailer was like the new tyre model, like the new the new kind of intricacies in the physics and that type of thing. Maybe I'll be proved wrong. I don't think we're going to see too much different from sport. And that's absolutely fine because sport drives fantastically and I'll, I'll take more of that any day of the week. Yeah, yeah, sport... I, I would be perfectly happy if the handling was unchanged from sport. <laughs> you know, there are a couple things here and there that, yeah. that I think could always be improved, but I love the way that game drives. I've always loved the way it drives. Uh, for me, I would like to see a step up in the quality of the AI and in the positioning of the AI during uh, races against the AI. You know, it, it's. <laughs> yeah. I think for a game like sport, you can almost excuse it because it's not so much campaign based but like like I was saying I was playing through GT1 and that game is hard as hell and uh, I've been playing a little bit yeah, GT4 lately and doing some of those missions and um, god like those one lap magic ones and stuff that oh, I, I can never yeah. figure out you know that's a level of difficulty I don't need know if we need to go back to quite that but I think it's something we've talked about before just like sometimes those really really hard events you don't want every event to be that hard but sometimes those legendary events they just like have this sort of uh, uh, they take on a, a life of their own they take on a legend of their own and I think that's just something that like has really been missing from Gran Turismo over the last three or so titles you know I, I would like to see a step up in the difficulty I would also like to see the difficulty become more of a of a gradual thing you know the early races can be they can of be course. like the ones in sport that's fine but once you get to the intermediate events or the advanced events or the endurance events like 
step up the difficulty. Uh, wheel to wheel racing is something that would be nice to have in Gran Turismo again. E even if in the earlier games it was more of just kind of a of a catch up type thing of a rubber banding, um, it's just nice to get that, and that's something that I've missed from sport. But I think I think Polyphony's attitude toward that is like, well, if you want that them race against real people which we are yeah. more than happy to have you do <laughs> and have created this great foundation upon like pushing you to do that and pushing you to hone your skills uh and go online yeah. but i don't think they really see the value in ai as much as everyone exactly. else does and, and that's disappointing but we'll we'll know for sure once the game comes out yeah we will and that, that's where the niggling feeling about what I was talking about comes into play because the fact that they are taking sport mode across seemingly that would imply to me like you're saying the, the answer to that question of how close is the racing going to be will be well how much do you want to play online and like you said it's a bit of a shame because when I was playing through Gran Turismo 3 recently in the arcade mode there's some genuinely good racing going on there and I don't know if they're, they're doing like slight rubber banding or anything to be honest, against the AI, as long as it isn't what bullshit, like, scam artist stuff, I don't mind a little bit of trickery on the AI side of things to make it interesting. The biggest issue was, in the PS3 era especially, the only way you could make those races interesting were by driving slower cars, and even then, it's not because uh, the AI was capable of great overtakes and that type of thing if you were in an underpowered vehicle. It was literally just because you would have a slower car than everyone else. The actual abilities of the AI were pretty average right. and Sunday driver-esque, and I think that... I don't want to be a pessimist on this one, I just... Um, I've just got a feeling it's kind of... It's kind of to be expected at this point from Polyphony, like they might not spend a lot of time in that department, especially like you're saying, they've spent so much investment in sport that they, they'll feel that's where the close racing is, which is a shame because I think the reason, like you're saying, about those kind of events that you remember, the showcase events, there, there wasn't really any of those in GT5 or GT6, and the closest to that in those games were the ones that were hearkening back to previous events that were actually difficult, <laughs> even ones that are close to that. So yeah. I think it's. I hope I, I do hope I'm wrong, and maybe there are improvements in that area. And who knows how old that footage they were showing was in the race. But I think at the moment, it's sort of the, the same argument that frequently goes on with the, the Pokemon series as well. Like that's people say that's stagnant because they don't really make many changes, but they know what they're good at and they stick to it. I think for this title especially, Polyphony would benefit from knowing their scope, executing a great Gran Turismo 7, and then who knows, maybe AI improvements will follow. I really hope I'm wrong, and GT7 has phenomenal offline racing. I'm just kind of curbing my expectations a little bit, because I know how hard it must be for them to go back to that style of career mode they're delivering after not nailing it for so long. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful, but like you, it's... It's something that, that doesn't look good given the current situation. But that's the thing. Like, I, I never knew after sport if we'd ever see, like, an old-style Gran Turismo again. And it looks like that's what we're going to get. Exactly. So anything is possible. Uh, something I wanted to talk about before we, uh, we move on from Gran Turismo is, you know, some of that trailer was just, uh, you know, racing on the new trial mountain. And... Um, you know, I thought it looked great. Obviously, it looked a lot like GT Sport. It's basically the GT Sport engine, but you have the ray tracing. Uh, 
and looked really good, but the track itself has generated uh, a lot of conversation among fans because they've made so many changes. So you have that uh, front straight, which uh, I think uh, Andrew Evans, who who's, was on our Gran Turismo episode earlier, he uh, wrote, kind of did a deep dive on GT Planet into the differences between the new track and the old track, and it's a good read. Everyone should go take a look at it. And uh, I think he said that the new front straight is more than two times longer than the original. <laughs> and the, uh, the back straight is longer in kind as well. And, uh, you know, anybody who's, who remembers Trial Mountain knows that the track starts out, you have those S's, and then you kind of have that arc that goes into the tunnel, which is kind of a long left-hander. And that has been made from, like, sort of... It was never a consistent radius, but it was more of, like, an ongoing corner. Uh, they've they've basically changed so now the end of the S's is like a hard corner you have a very short straight and then you have another corner in the tunnel so there have been changes made it looks like they widen like the middle sector and some people seem to be disappointed uh, I can understand that some people are like oh I, I know why they did it but it'd be cool if they had like a trial mountain 90s and look I mean I would love that too but I, I don't think that that's likely um <laughs> Because I, I, I don't even see them making multiple models of uh, of existing tracks um, of like of like yeah. uh, you know real world tracks. So I don't expect to see them make uh, multiple uh, fake ones. But yeah, I, I think it's cool, and it's actually kind of funny because like if you're watching the trailer closely, there's a, a race in the campaign mode. Uh, in, in the kind of little demo clip that they show where somebody's going to do like the FR challenge or something like that at Trial Mountain. And it says, uh, you know, we have those new guides, uh, Sarah being one of them, which is kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> and she goes, uh, you know, this is Trial Mountain. This track has a long history, but here it's re recently been renovated. Uh, and I just think that's so cool. Like that, that lens, that yeah. is total like uh, Ridge Racer lore to me you know it's it's one of those like yeah. really cool little callbacks and uh you know pe people have kind of tried to look really deeply into some of those thumbnails that they have on those screens it looks like deep forest might be one of the tracks it looks like grand valley might be another one it's kind of too early to tell because they all look sort of samey and they might just be placeholder images but look we get trial mountain deep forest grand valley i'm set I mean that that would be really great, and I'm actually <laughs> excited to give the new track a go, even even if they killed the uh, deadliest corner in all of motor racing <laughs> with that with that last one. <laughs> I think as well, like the fictional circuits just play into the whole world building of Gran Turismo as well. So it's good to see that they're um, through Sarah and uh, Rupert as well in the, the tuning shop. <laughs> Maybe even in the races we might have a rival or something like that as well that hasn't been revealed yet. Maybe they'll go down that route. It'll be interesting to see how they, they kind of incrementally enhance the experience overall beyond like, obviously a guy like Rupert is just there to tell you tutorial based stuff, but like Sarah's little bit of lore that she drops on the trailer, like I, I'm, I'm here for that shit. Like <laughs> I'm really excited to see what kind of stuff they talk about with Deep Forest and the like. Yeah, and I think Andrew also pointed out that um, if you've been to a GT Sport FIA event, which I was lucky enough to go to last year, you may have seen Rupert. So, And, and I totally oh. didn't realize that, but yeah, I, I believe <laughs> Rupert is a Polyphony employee. Oh, and wow. I would only assume that the same is true of Sarah. Um, 
because I, I knew there was something familiar looking about Rupert. Uh, I, I must have seen him <laughs> in New York. But, you know, that's pretty cool. I'm yeah, not... That's cool. I, I, I think that's that's kind of a, uh, a little cute uh, thing to include in there, especially because, like, Polyphony... You know, I've, I've been watching, like, more and more interviews with Kaz and stuff recently over the years, and one thing he makes clear is that, like, look, the people who have, make, have, who have been making Gran Turismo have been making Gran Turismo since Gran Turismo started. And, like, you know, we, we hire some new people every now and then, but, like, the core team is the same as the core team's always been. And I think in it seems like in, in Japanese development culture, uh, game development culture, as well as in just Polyphony's own separate culture, like, that kind of family... Uh, mentality seems to be an important one that they carry through you know there isn't a lot of turnover with that staff so um that that it just seems like it fits you know it just it just seems like a cool thing to do i just want jay leno to come back (laughs) (laughs) yes everyone's favorite polyphony digital employee jay leno oh man i still think about jordan from gt planet's impression that he did on one of the podcast episodes start perfect (laughs) (laughs) But I guess, yeah. Gran Turismo 7 then, any closing comments or are we going to be moving on? Uh, I think we can move on. I, I guess we could just leave it with when do we think we're actually going to get this game? And yeah. I, I think it's funny, you said end of 2021. <laughs> uh, that <laughs> that to before. me is like a worst case scenario. I'm going to be hopeful and say uh, spring 2021. Spring yeah. to summer. So maybe... Maybe now would be the tail end of when we could expect the game, in in my estimation. And the only reason I'm saying that is because, like, I think I think the game might be further along than we realize. Uh, and I also feel like they wouldn't have shown it off now yeah. if it wasn't, like, a solid 21, 2021 title. And if you ask me, like... If Polyphony says the game is going to come out at the end of 2021, it's not coming out until 2022. But if they say it's going to come out in like spring 2021, then it'll actually probably come out before the year is over. So, here's hoping. I don't want to be waiting too long for um, I'm ready <laughs> for a proper um, Gran Turismo game. Um, in terms of the PS5 itself, I'll probably be waiting until we have that kind of concrete release window before buying one um i think the presentation as a whole was pretty cool but in terms of like games that interested me it's very much still following that kind of sony kind of drive at the moment but granted as more being a part of that is a huge positive so i'll be i'll be picking up a ps5 as soon as i seen that i was like yeah definitely yeah i mean to, to be really honest like the xbox series x i think has more of what's going on in terms of uh, the hardware and the yeah. uh, approach that Microsoft is taking. They're doing really smart things with smart delivery and backwards compatibility and everything. I, I like their strategy more. I think they're being smarter about this whole next generation thing than Sony is. Yeah. But PS5 is Gran Turismo, and it's really that simple. <laughs> it's just it's just that simple, folks. Yeah. So. Until Forza shows us what they've been working on on the motorsport side of things, <sighs> then... Yeah. GT's king will be for the foreseeable (laughs) 
there's still much more to talk about, obviously, uh, Dirt 5. So, so yeah, I I like the game. Um, I like what I've played of it so far. Good I think start. it's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I think you and I are going to love it, and I think some people are going to be wishing that it continued along the path of Dirt 3. Um, oh, okay. There is an interesting... Uh, kind of trajectory that Codemaster seems to be following with this game where, you know, it was part of this uh, Q&A session on Discord and um, I believe it might have been uh, Robert Karp who's, who's one of the lead developers on the game and he was saying that, you know, in internally we say that Dirt 2, like they literally had a graphic for this in their presentation. Uh, it was like, internally we say that if you combine Dirt 2 plus Dirt 3, you get Dirt 5. And not only does it mathematically make sense, but that's kind of the vibe that we're going for and that's kind of the, what we're trying to do with this game. Um, I, I think it fits because Dirt the, the biggest issue that Dirt 4 had was it was too similar to Dirt Rally while not capitalizing on the things that people who love Dirt yeah. Rally love about Dirt Rally. And there is going to be absolutely no mistaking Dirt 5 for Dirt Rally. So I think off the bat, Codemasters has succeeded with that. Uh, I think the other reason that the game really works well is because uh, Codemasters has had this problem for a long time, dating back to like sort of the 360 PS3 generation, where they kind of have that one engine. And so like whether you're playing Dirt or Grid back in the day, Dirt 2 or Grid 2, the games kind of always felt very similar. Um, they just always just had that that quintessential handling. There's something about like when I go back and play Grid Autosport on the Switch, for example, where I'm just like, this just feels so much of the times and of the games that Codemasters <laughs> was making that there's like almost nothing really distinguishable about it. But yeah. what Dirt 5 really benefits from is the fact that it's developed by a different team, which is uh, the Cheshire team, which was Cody's Evo, which made Onrush, and of course before that was Evolution Studios, which made Drive yeah. Club and Motorstorm. And the engine they're using is their own tech. It has nothing to do with Dirt Rally. It has nothing to do with Ego. It has nothing to do with F1 or Grid. And it's so much more of a unique thing with its own identity because of that. I can't even begin to tell you. This does not feel at all like anything else that Codemasters has put out except for Onrush. And depending on who you are, that's either going to be great. <laughs> it's music to our ears. Yeah. Or not. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, and it just it just hit kind of all of the right like arcade off-road racer notes to me. See, that is really interesting and also great to hear because when you go with the number of the title, so Dirt 5, um, people will expect something iterative. But the thing is, with 4, like like you've said, I, I always refer to it as the, the the racing game equivalent to Porridge or Oatmeal, <laughs> depending on where you're from, in the sense that that game just felt very lifeless at times like it didn't really have an identity it really wanted to capture that rally audience like we talked about but it still wanted to have the kind of dirt attitude and it just kind of left it feeling a bit cheap um right away from five i could see there was a different approach but hearing that it's so severe that it almost 
it almost shares nothing in common with other Codemasters titles, and yet they're that confident they're still calling it Dirt 5. I, I'd say that's, um, that, that's exactly what I wanted to hear, because I feel as if Dirt Rally is so close to what was the initial iterations of the regular Dirt series, there had to be a change-up. And getting that team on it, and the comparisons to Onrush especially, given how off the wall that is, it seems like, um, just from your initial comments, man, like they, they've really went in on trying to create something that doesn't really exist in the current marketplace anyway. Yeah, what I love about it is, like, there's, you know, something that, that this show concerns a lot is this, that we try to combat is this idea that arcade racers are intrinsically less interesting or less um, methodical or that less thought goes into them compared to sim racers. Uh, because there's that ongoing, you know, debate. It's not even a debate, but there's those like camps, you know, in this in this <laughs> genre that are honestly annoying to us because we enjoy all of it on both sides. Yeah. And I think Dirt Five is great because nobody could ever say, like, in spite of the fact that the arcade that the physics are more arcadey uh, compared to much more arcade compared to Dirt Rally and more arcadey compared to Dirt Three or Dirt Two. No one could ever say that this game has less going on uh, from a technical standpoint than those other games because the weather effects in this are... I mean, we saw what Evolution did with Drive Club. We saw we what Evolution did with Omrush again. And it's just more of that now, except even even more just dynamic and and uh all encompassing because now you know they're using the technology of next generation next generation platforms and you know these new pc cards and stuff that have come out and so like the weather effects in this game are astounding like even this is this demp this beta i played is four months out and you know there are some glitches here and there but it's a beta what, what do you expect but the weather effects are already so perfect. Um, it's it's just really astonishing. Like they have this one track uh, in Norway, and um, the 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 demo has four events, and this is one of the events. And you're driving '90s rally cars, and uh, part of the beta is that you know these are single races, but every time you go to do the same event, even over and over again, you'll kind of go through a cycle. So the first time will be like a rather kind of static sunny race and then the next time you do it you'll get this race where it's only a three lap race but it starts out it's kind of dusk and then the clouds start to roll in and then the snow starts to fall and then it's nighttime and then you can't see and like it's just i mean anyone who's played drive club knows that feeling and it's one of the coolest things about that game that no developer ever really tried to do weather effects anywhere near as well yeah. and and Cheshire, they're just so good at it, and they've done it again with Dirt Rally, uh, Dirt Five, and um, I don't know, it's just it's just breathtaking. And and you have those same kind of beautiful locales and vistas. There were some moments. There's, there's one track in Brazil uh, where I was racing. Um, it's kind of rally raid vehicles that reminded me a lot of some corners on some of the India stages in uh, Drive Club, and uh, some like really kind of amazing. Uh, the sort of elevation changes and things uh, in, in that track as well that reminded me a lot of Motorstorm and Onrush. And so it, it really seems like this is a case where the studio is pulling everything together to make, you know, a more, I guess you could say a more grounded rally title, but still, still really, you know, um, uh, 
still really leaving an impression when it comes to things like the weather effects and the vistas and just the graphics because it's just a beautiful game in general. I mean that that just sounds like the like Drive Club Rally DLC we never got. <laughs> like just the way you're describing it, it sounds very similar in terms of the how, how well blown away will be you the first time we experience those effects because the fact that you you sound so moved by it despite already seeing this take in other games as well, man, like that sounds like a mad positive. So, um, yeah. The, the thing about weather effects are I don't think we realise how important they are or how much they have an impact on games that we like until we we see them at their best. And Drive Club was definitely an example where it was like, actually putting in the perspective of if this type of fidelity and this type of dynamic element is possible, if a game is at 30 frames per second, I, I would consider that. <laughs> and um, Dirt 5 is also 60, isn't it? It runs at 60 frames as well. Yeah, so, so Dirt 5 is going to be 4K60 on the next-gen platforms. I don't know what they're targeting for the current ones. Uh, who knows, maybe it'll be an Onrush-type situation where you can choose between 30 and 60, but we saw, oh, how yeah, Onrush, <laughs> we saw how Onrush looked at 60. Honestly, at 60 frames, that game looked almost just as good from a graphical fidelity standpoint as it did at 30 and you you wanted the once you played the game in 60 like i'm not someone who is like you know a frame rate obsessed person that yeah. every single racing game needs to be 60 frames per second but onrush is one of those games where like once you play it in 60 you're like i don't want to play this in 30 it's just too <laughs> smooth and like you know i, I think dirt 5 is going to be the same but we, we don't you know they didn't say anything about what's going to do on current gen platforms but on next-gen platforms, you're going to get 4K60. And not only that, on Xbox Series X, you're going to get a 120 option. Uh, I'm assuming that's not Ooh. 4K. I'm assuming that's full HD. But but yeah, that's pretty cool. Right. <laughs> that is really cool. And it ties into like Xbox's strategy as well, like we were talking about earlier, funnily enough, where uh, they, they've even started talking about like some of their backwards-compatible games might end up getting a 120 frames bump at some point. So the fact that... Dirt 5 is going to be able to come out on this console and like show off that feature right away. That's um that is interesting because I didn't think consoles would ever prioritize anything over 60 because 30 is still very much the norm. But not to get lost in a different argument in terms of Dirt 5, I think if it looks as good as you're saying and from gameplay footage it certainly looks that way, I would not be bored in the slightest playing this at 30 if you had all those dynamic effects and weather going on because that's that the Gun Arcade Racing title needs that visual flair, and nobody knows that better than the X Evo stuff. Yeah, and on top of that, you also get the uh, different seasons, like you did in Onrush. So you'll go back to a track, you'll be driving in a different season. You know, all of the technology that they have built uh, over the last several years, over the last, you know, getting close to probably a decade now since they started work on Drive Club, is present here. And, uh, and it really shows, and this is a great engine, and like the Cheshire team, you know, I was saying this recently, I think, uh, you know, hit for hit, they're one of the, they're maybe my favorite dev working right now, because uh, from Motorstorm to Drive Club to Onrush, even, even times, like with Onrush and Motorstorm, I was never the biggest fan in the world, but those games were still addictive, and there was something special about those games, and I don't think there's really many developers you can say that about. And so I have a lot of confidence in this team. And, uh, you know, from what I've played, they're, they're doing everything they should be doing. I, I think 
what's going to make or break this for some people are going to be the physics and and I like where they're at now and they might be tuned further. I mean, you know, there's still some more time. Codemasters is very, you know, they, they like me to say, and I'm not just saying it because they like me to say, but the game is early on still. So, you know, there can be lots of changes made uh, still, especially because like, you know, all the all the main pieces are there, but you know, the, uh, the snow uh, in the beta I was playing is kind of overpowered, they say, so it slows you down too much. So that's something that they are going to address, you know, before the final version comes out. Uh, so all these things can change, but um, I like the physics. The thing about the physics is that I think people, however they imagine a game like this should handle, they should go back and play Dirt 2 or th Dirt 3 first, because I, I recently did that uh, well before I, I played the Dirt 5 beta. And um, those games are, you know, those games are more forgiving, it's safe to say, than Dirt Rally, definitely. I think, but but the, the thing is, I don't really think it's so much of a physics thing. I think it's more of a stage design. I think Dirt Rally, especially Dirt Rally 2.0, has those really narrow, undulating, bumpy stages that just catch you out. And I think those earlier Dirt games are more forgiving more for their stage design and environments and their physics. Their physics are more forgiving, but not that much. Like, I was driving... Um, if you remember in Dirt 3, they had that uh, rallycross track of the LA Coliseum, and uh, you know, I was driving like a Fiesta RX whatever with like 500 or 600 horsepower. That thing was a handful, like, especially on the tarmac. Like, there's something about like the tarmac handling and like those earlier Dirt games where it was fun, but like you could just spin forever, especially in those short wheelbase high power cars. <laughs> That's not something I'm really getting out of Dirt 5. Um, and I think some people might feel like that makes the game a little bit too easy. Uh, the way that I kind of feel about it is like, it's one of those games where like you can, it, encourage you, it encourages you to drive like an idiot, but in a, in a good way. Like it encourages you to like pull out stupid drifts and just see how, how quickly and how long you could keep your foot on the ground. And like, those things are a lot of fun, but it's not so much a game where you're going to get into situations where you're like, this car is unsavable. And the thing <laughs> is, even when you do hit a wall or something in this, I think one of the most profound differences between the way a game like Dirt 5 plays and the ways the previous Dirt games played is that we talked about this in the Grid episodes. Codemasters, even when they made the physics pretty forgiving, the crashes and the collisions weren't you know they absolutely weren't yeah. you you hit a wall in grid one in spite of how that game handles and you are sucked into a tire barrier and you lose a tire and you are not going anymore like those games were pretty crushing in terms of collisions and damage compared to uh most arcade racers this feels more like something along the lines of a sega rally revo and i say that because like if if things get a little bit hairy and you do you do kind of smack into a wall or you do drift too hard or something like that, you just bounce and you kind of keep going. And uh, I like that. I'm fine with that. I think some people might have an issue with that, but I don't think that's, you know, I think for the game that Dirt 5 is trying to be, that's fine. I think if you if you want something else, go do Rallycross uh, at <laughs> Lyndon Hill and Dirt Rally 2.0. You know, that's that's basically my feeling on that. Yeah, I feel like um, the racing experience in these arcade dirt games, or ones that aren't rally, sorry, because they're, they're still kind of 
uh, realistic to a certain degree, I suppose. I don't know about Dirt 5, but um, they've always tried to kind of bridge the 7k line. I think the thing is, the challenge, in my, in my opinion, shouldn't really come from trying to just handle the cars, because there are so many other titles out there already doing that. It should be in the close quarters racing, and if the physics engine plays into that and is more forgiving as a result, then I'm all for it. Because at the end of the day, you want some exciting on-the-track racing that not only provides an incredible environment and scenery to drive through with wild weather effects and time of day and all that type of thing, but you also want it to feel as if even even if you if you mess up, you've still got a chance of winning as long as you drive your heart out basically and it sounds like um, it's almost a, a similar sort of lineage to Sega Rally Revo in that regard where hitting a wall isn't the be all and end all. In actual fact, you can sometimes manipulate that to your advantage if you're going to use the kind of track boundaries. I'm not sure if Dirt 5 kind of goes that far with it, but it sounds like it is a bit more forgiving in terms of like, you're going to have difficult track design, but it's not going to trip you up so substantially that it becomes a chore to drive on. It's very much a game, uh, at least it seems like at this stage, where, you know, it's it's really keeping that momentum going. And it, it, it's, it, I mean, that's what it's about, and it's kind of, and that's why I liken it to Sega Rally Revo, because you, you have to drive in the wrong direction in Revo to really, <laughs> like, you know, kill your momentum. That game, I mean, look, it, it's one of those things where it's like, there are some times where like it does actually help you to hit the wall in Revo. You you generally still don't want to. You don't you don't wanna, you know, go off your line. You don't wanna drift too much, but it's that difference between a game where it's like there's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things, and a game where it's like Revo where it's like there's the right way to do things and then a bunch of different sort of modifications on that. And like the game isn't going to punish you excessively if you screw it up like okay and some of like the master's class stuff like yeah the ai can be really fast and that gets a little bit tough but but even then you know you're not like you said you're not fighting with the car you're not even necessarily fighting with the track you're just trying to make those small adjustments to get a little bit more speed out of certain corners and get a better line it's not like can I control this thing at all? It's like, I've we've already established that I can control this. Now, can I control it a little bit better and a little bit more smoothly? That's, that's I think, what an arcade racer should be. Um, and that's how Dirt 5 kind of feels to me at this stage. I, I think there's definitely a lineage there with Onrush, uh, some some similarities I was noticing with the physics engine. And, and it's been a long time since I played Onrush, so it's probably, like, not something that I can, like, really go into detail on. But um, I think I think Onrush was a game where it was more like you know the camera was kind of pulled back. You it wasn't really about the racing, so it wasn't so much like focus on your own speed and your own laps and stuff like that. You really wanted to see where everyone else was at one time, and so that that kind of like took a more global view and made the racing less about those like pinpoint accurate maneuvers. And so I feel like for that reason there was maybe less sort of detail put into a physics engine in that game because it wasn't about you so much it was about like all of the mayhem that you were surrounded by and had to sort of work in to like succeed at your goals whereas this obviously is more of a conventional racing game and so it's it's you know it's taking some of the things that Onrush did but kind of pivoting in that direction of of you know your more standard like arcade rallycross fair 
And I think, you know, to its credit, it does it pretty well. Uh, the, the one exception from the physics standpoint that I've noticed is that there is a sprint uh, sprint event in this game, like a World of Outlaws style, like short track dirt oval type thing where you're driving those like go-karts with the crazy wings. Uh, it's funny because it's very much an American thing. I don't think they do this anywhere else in the world. Um, but they do have those and they, and they have a track in Arizona where you drive these things. And it's basically like Northern Isle Speedway from GT Sport, <laughs> but it's all dirt. Right. In these cars that are hilariously short wheelbase and they have 900 horsepower in one gear. And those can be tough to control because it's basically like you're always going left and you just steer with the throttle. Um, and so when you're in the middle of the pack and you're driving okay. those cars, that can be that can be pretty crazy. Uh, I enjoy it, but I think it's it's a bit of an acquired taste. It's actually going to take some practice. Yeah, it sounds similar to like um, I think it's called Speedway, like the the kind of scrambler motorbike racing on dirt ovals, where it's like they're basically just get the throttle down the whole time, but they're like kind of using the weight of the momentum to kind of go round the corners, like going left constant. Um, sounds like it's similar to that kind of idea, so I've got a rough idea of what, what you're talking about. Is that probably the most unique thing you've seen you're allowed to talk about at this point? I mean, I'm allowed to talk about anything oh, I've seen okay. in the demo. I don't know if there's <laughs> yeah, anything cool all, that you were It's all pretty much back. there. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. There's And there's nothing that they've told us. You know, anything that we can't talk about, they didn't tell us. Sure. So, uh you know the demo. The demo just consisted consisted of four different uh, locales. There was the Norway one I spoke about. Yeah. Um, there was one in China. There was one in Brazil. There was the Arizona one. Uh, the, the sprint racing was definitely like the most unique, and, and it was cool because like that's a style of racing that you really don't see in racing games. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, I think the only place that you can experience anything like that today is actually in iRacing. racing. Um, so if you want, you can go ahead and buy like. A track in the car on in iRacing and try this out for yourself in the much more realistic <laughs> environment. Um, but it's 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 fun. Yeah. Uh, I was actually doing that at my friend Trevor's place because uh, he's got he's got iRacing and everything, and it's actually it's it's a laugh and it's it's challenging, but it's not like that kind of typical iRacing experience where you're just like, you know, you can feel every heartbeat and you just never get a moment to breathe. It's just more of a yeah. laugh. But I, um, I feel that with iRacing but, on but, but, any of the dirt. Like, the events is just so fucking, like, crazy off the rails compared to the circuit offerings. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, as far as Dirt 5 is concerned, uh, yeah, so those were the four locales. There was a selection of, uh, 90s rally cars, um, the rally raid cars. There were super lights, which are basically, like, a common, it's a class where you either can choose from, like, a more standard buggy or, like, an aerial nomad type thing. Um, those sprint cars, uh, there's going to be modern rally cars. I didn't get to drive them. Those are more your R5s as opposed to like your WRC cars. Uh, interestingly, I noticed that it doesn't seem like there are any group B rally cars in this game, but I wonder if that's going to be DLC. Um, what Codemasters said was that they're hoping to, so there will be at least 12 cars, uh, to release as DLC uh, in the you know months and weeks after a game comes sure. out, and while the cars will be paid, uh, there will also be tracks, but the tracks will be free. Fantastic! So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that that I have absolutely no uh, no bones about. Yeah. So that is. Uh, I think that's something. 
that really shocked me when I think it was Dirt Rally 2.0 and that season past they locked locations behind paywalls and stuff because I think it's a very much established thing now for racing game DLC like you need to give the locales away for free because you don't want to kind of split the player base at all you don't want them to have reasons they can't participate in some online events and that type of thing and if the car offerings are good enough and unique enough then we're always going to be kind of eager to buy that if we're enjoying the experience so I think that's fair enough and it's a, it worked for Drive Club certainly yeah yeah definitely and then um, funny because like as I was running this this uh, hands on I realized like I don't actually know if they're going to be point to point rally stages in this game so I, I reached out to Codemasters and they confirmed that there yes. are uh, it's funny because they aren't in the demo. <laughs> so, you know, I was wondering like, oh, how is how is like the conventional rally going to work? And then all of a sudden I realized like, shit, is this game even going to have it? Um, but yes, it will be there. Uh, I haven't gotten to test that out. And I mean, in that sense, if they just did something like they did with like Dirt 2 or Dirt 3, where it was just like one, you know, they have a small selection of stages and they're not overly long and it's just kind of a thing that you do sometimes and you're not doing like those uh circuit style events and i think that's kind of all that needs to be yeah is there anything right. at this point that you think um is a concern at all or is it is the demo pretty much like the perfect kind of starting point you feel to, to learn more about the game as it gets closer to release I think that the demo is a good starting point for like understanding the physics, understanding the kind of, uh, you know, the race, the way the races are going to feel, the way the weather is going to play into things. I think that's all good. My concern, and I mean, Codemasters is now shedding light on this, but it's one of those things that we're really not going to be able to tell until we play the game, yeah. is kind of how the campaign's going to play <laughs> yeah. out because they're they're doing this uh they're doing this kind of story mode thing they have troy baker and nolan north playing characters they have the donut media guys honestly some people kind of bitch and moan about like you know you paid actors for the game and this is a racing <laughs> game who cares that's not really my problem with it i really don't have a problem with that i'm just kind of more concerned with like the mechanics of the career mode like there isn't going to be, I asked, and they said there's not really going to be any team management features, which, um, you know, Dirt Rally 2.0 didn't do anything yeah, with I'm happy. team management features, I'm happy but I did kind of, <laughs> I, I, I did like the way, though, that Dirt 4 sure. approached it, and so I kind of hoped that they would bring it back, but they didn't, um, so it's not really a factor. There is sort of a sponsorship kind of system where... You know, at Codemasters Games Forever have had this, even going back to Grid, where you sign the sponsor, you have to complete, you know, goals for the sponsor, for the sponsor to pay you. They'll unlock, like, special uh, liveries for some of these sponsors, and, and they go from, like, you know, they're, they're established brands. It's funny, because they are they keep, like, kind of, in all of, like, the marketing materials, they keep, like, listing some of the brands, and they're like, and Pepsi is one of the brands. Like, okay, <laughs> cool, I guess. Pepsi um, Man 2 confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> Pepsi Man 2 confirmed, yeah. They also say that like the deliveries themselves are designed by people like uh, Sean Bull, ah, who, right, you know, yeah. anyone who's on Instagram and follows some of those motorsport accounts cool. knows his work, and, and he does some pretty good stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I mean that's great. I guess I'm just wondering, like, is this going to be sort of a 
kind of grid of, you know, no pun intended, but like a, a grid of events and then, you know, I sign with Pepsi. <laughs> like, is, is that going to be it? And then like, you know, every couple of races, Nolan North or Troy Baker tells me something like it's, it just seems like it could run into yeah. that problem of being a lot of window dressing for not a lot of like a mechanically interesting career. Um, but that's something that we're just going to yeah. have to wait and see. Because that wasn't a factor in the demo I played at all. Codemasters put out like a video they had been teasing about the story mode. And it, it was just basically a behind the scenes with uh, Troy Baker um, and Nolan North. Yeah, I watched that. But yeah, so you'll know there was literally nothing of substance within it. Like the only, it was just sound bites really like, um, all, we've never seen a story told this way before, which could literally mean anything and i'm pretty sure every single va says that about every game they work on um they, they were so amazed right. by the dialogue that had been put together it was a very odd video i felt because i was like fuck's sake is this like the citizen kane of racing game stories or something like these guys are working think, on such massive triple yeah. e games but they're amazed at the dialogue for dirt five <laughs> like a guy who's worked who just you know wrapped last <laughs> of us part two and yeah, and, and he's just overcome with the emotion <laughs> and the storytelling of Dirt 5. I, I think that's something that maybe developers need to... Racing game developers need to maybe pay attention to, is that you're never going to bring people in with a story in a racing game. You're not. I mean, unless you really go all in and unless you kind of try to cultivate this, like, atmosphere in like kind of the Ridge Racer type four way where you're like, you know, where you really make it clear to people how much like detail and care you put into the story and building this world. And you maybe were more serious about it. Cause I think that's the thing like Dirt 5 is, it's very fun. It's very colorful. It's very over the top. It doesn't go quite into like Fortnite territory like Onrush <laughs> does, but yeah. it still has like a very lighthearted feel to it. I think that's fine, but I think with a game like that, like you're you're pulling people in because you're like, this is a fun racing game, not because this is a fun racing game, but really you want to be here because you know Noel North and Troy Baker say <laughs> funny things when you're racing. Like, I don't think that's really gonna woo anybody. I think it's if you're gonna try and pull people in with a story, it needs to it just needs to be more of like kind of like a dramatic sort of serious thing as Our opposed to evolution. whatever this is <laughs> yeah not not that but you know i maintain if you just if you just like fleshed out the r4 story a little bit it yeah. could be like the best like you know single player narrative racing game of all time um i mean as it stands now it is and that game barely has like any anything going for it <laughs> in terms of outside of like text boxes um but yeah, I don't, it, it's just, it is weird. It is weird, right? The way that, that, that Codemasters is kind of approaching this. And, you know, I don't know anybody who's going to be on the fence about this game. And they're like, well, it's got the Donut Media guys. So, you know, <laughs> now I have to buy it. I think, like, the, the thing is as well, if you're going to have the story element and play it up, like, the way it was announced, there was a story. And then rather than actually show a trailer that highlights what the story is, you just go straight into talking about the, the kind of the celebrities behind it, so to speak. I, I think as well that kind of indicates that the story probably isn't going to be that substantial because if you want to get people invested in the potential for that story, I think you've kind of got to include some form of hint. You have to set it up. Yeah, yeah there's you, nothing you set up. You have to tease it. You have to, I mean, you know, it's like, 
you look at, at, at story-driven games where people legitimately care about the story, like a God of War or a Last of Us or something like that. You think about like that first trailer for The Last of Us 2 that they had showed like two years ago or whatever, where they were, you know, dancing in the in the log cabin or wherever the hell it was, and it's just like. You know, you're you're offering people a peek into a story. You're teasing some yeah. of the things that are going to happen in this game. The Codemasters has not done that for Dirt Five. They because haven't. Yeah, exactly. There's no I world. Like, <laughs> there's no world building being done. I think that the key distinction yeah. is that world building is not the same as storytelling. So I think like if we think about Wipeout and even Ridge Racer Type Four or the subsequent Ridge Racer games. The reason that we would be happy to see some form of narrative in those games is because they, there's a lot of effort being shown to us. We can actually see it, the kind of lore that's going on in the background, so a story set there makes sense. Right now in Dirt 5, we're just being kind of blindly told that there's going to be some story in a place, that, in a world that we don't know anything about yet, aside from the fact that Donut Media guys are there. So it's like... I'm not sure who's supposed to be excited yet because we've not seen anything to make us excited. Like you said, the, the voice talent initially grabs a headline like, oh, that's interesting. But I feel as if going straight into a behind the scenes before we know anything about the narrative, I think that maybe that the wires get crossed there in terms of how it should have been staggered in terms of the road to release. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that we hear a little bit more about to go on. Um, they also have guest appearances apparently from Jamie Chadwick. Uh, and a YouTuber named Slap Train, who I have never heard of yeah. before. <laughs> so, yeah. So, look, I, I think with things like this, I think it's very easy to fall into a mindset of like, oh, they got all these celebrities, who cares? <laughs> Their priorities are in the wrong place. And I guess, I guess, you know, one, let's wait and see. Two, from a physics and gameplay standpoint, to me anyway, this game is making all oh, the right sick. noises. So, like, at least, you know, it won't be made or broken, I think, on that. Uh, it could be made or broken on other things, but you don't have to worry about all of the other stuff, all of the celebrity stuff and all of the story stuff coming at the expense of, of like, a poor core racing experience. I think, I think that's the main thing to kind of quell anyone who is maybe a little bit concerned about the direction that Codemasters has taken. Like, you know, it's not like, they kind of made the shell of a fake racing game and then put a story on top of it. This is a cohesive game. I think I think they just want to do something a little bit extra with the campaign, and you know we'll see we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> yep, it, it sounds as if um, the preview has been relatively glowing anyway, and it's great to hear on the physics side of things and the racing. It's the pieces are there now. We've just got to wait till it comes out. Yep. Yep, definitely. And this is going to be an exciting year. I mean, you have Dirt 5 uh, before that. I mean, Dirt 5 is coming out October 5th. Um, I believe in uh, before the end of the summer, we'll have Project Cars. Um, and, you know, we'll of course, we'll get Fernando on to talk about that, whether he wants to or not. <laughs> he wants to. I'm just, I'm just uh, yanking his chain. But, uh, yeah, so those are going to be exciting games. And as always, there is the uh, the looming juggernaut that is Gran Turismo 7 to look forward to. So it's kind of nice to have these episodes where we actually have new racing games to look forward to because it's so Definitely. Rare. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you, know? you compare what the previous two episodes were about and we're jumping straight into some future racing games. It's fantastic. It's great. And the more we can do these episodes, the better because we, we want to see what's coming next. We want to see 
real innovation in the the, the kind of the subgenre, and more importantly, it's more racing games to play, so we can't complain. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we haven't, you know, we talked last episode uh, about the things that we're kind of hoping for in Project Cars 3 because it just naturally ended up in the Need for Speed chip discussion. Um, But Need for Speed actually, uh, you know, it's funny we had that last episode because the EA Play event happened this week. And we got to see literally like two seconds of of some (laughs) Need for Speed title. There was like a, a drift. 240 yeah. SX drift car and like a 911 GT3 <laughs> and you know basically we're just told Criterion's working on the next one so we'll uh, we'll see yeah, that, that in time. Yeah, that was very. At least it looked like something that actually existed. Unlike the last time Criterion was allowed to show something off <laughs> at one of these events, and it was the uh, the Extreme Sports uh, storyboard. I wonder how far they ever had. got with like Beyond Cars. Like, I really just wonder is that on is that yeah. on a hard drive somewhere in in the Criterion office? It's kind of weird to think about. Lost media. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that I think that basically wraps this one up. Um, just wondering if there are any housekeeping items. Uh, we'll we'll put a link to Discord Live because we should always do that uh, every every episode. Yeah. Um, and if you are you know listening to this for a first time or something like that, you know you can find this at time underscore extend on uh, on Twitter. And uh, Brend, you've been streaming a ton. Uh, I have not gotten to your level yet, but you are. Are you an affiliate <laughs> yet? Have you reached affiliate status? Yeah, we we got affiliate status last nice. week. Nice. Um, sadly, the, the kind of follower that tipped it over the edge, it was offline. <laughs> so we followed, so we didn't oh, no. get to have the, the on-screen party fun. But um, I've been doing kind of Friday night streams mostly, revisiting a lot of games. The good thing is that I usually start with something and then... I don't know, it fucking crashes my GPU or something, then end up playing something else. Um, like last night, for example, we ended up playing... Um, we started with Grid 2, then moved on to Dirt 3, and then we played some Grip as well. Mm. So it was like it was a random selection of games, it was good fun. And um, the good thing about those streams is you've been part of one of them, Adam. It's literally just having an absolute chat about nothing and having a good laugh. So it's, a, it's almost very different in tone to the fantastic podcast that we create obviously but it's uh it's good fun and you you also you like i said you've not been streaming that often but the streams you have been doing have been great fun especially the, the old grand tourismo stuff yeah i need to get back into it i just i've been sitting at this desk i feel like for three straight days and <laughs> I, i'm just worried about what's happening to my body so i would like to stream uh, i just i just need to do it in a, in a healthy way um I, I actually recently had to buy a new desk chair because this one just hurts and uh my streams are just going to be you know really unhappy and and annoying until i uh get myself into a more comfortable chair so so uh so yeah uh, and you are uh, at uh juice bokes right on twitter that's, <laughs> that's the, the same yeah. uh, same thing or not twitter uh twitch i mean yeah same for yeah. twitter and twitch you can find me at juice bokes g-u-i-c-e-b-o-a-x nice All right, so thanks everybody for listening to this episode and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.